Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. John chapter 4, 23 and 24. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. That's what he's looking for. That's what that, that last part means. That's, he's seeking that. He's looking for that. He's longing for that. He's asking for it. God is a spirit and they that worship him. Look at this next word. Must. Hmm. You've got to do it this way. If you don't do it this way, then is it really true worship? No, it's not. You must worship him in spirit and in truth. Today we're going to talk about worship. And if you know me at all, you know I love to talk about worship. Worship's my favorite thing. We're going to talk about expressions today. If you'll take your Bible, set them down. Not going to be yelling or screaming at you, I don't think. But I do have something I'd like to share with you today. Amen. If you'll lift up your hands and your voices one more time. Father, we need you in this house. God, I pray that you help us to become better worshipers today. God, change us. God, give us revelation. We love you, God. We worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We're going to talk about worship. And before we talk about expressions, I want to clarify that at the foundation of true worship in our text, the Bible tells us true worship. That's what God seeks and longs for. So at the foundation of true worship lies two very, very, very important things. Number one, that true worship engages your spirit in the pursuit of Jesus Christ. And number two, the pursuit of Jesus Christ is a life that's called to sacrifice. Those are two foundational truths to true worship. It's important that we understand that those rest at the very core, the foundation of worship. And if you don't have those principles, you'll never get to experience the power and the beauty of what is true worship. Like a house, I'm not a builder, but I actually don't build anything at all, ever. But a house has to have the right foundation. Am I right, builders? It has to have the right foundation. And without that right foundation, the house is always going to sit a little bit off. Good foundations, they provide durability and strength and integrity. A good foundation carries everything else upon it, and it holds everything together. So if you're building something of value, you don't, wanna, you don't want there to be mistakes and cracks in the foundation. You don't want to build it off. You want to make sure it's built with the right foundation. And with a subject like worship, we can't afford to have the wrong foundation. So at the foundation of true worship are those two truths. Number one, true worship engages your spirit in the pursuit for Jesus Christ, right? And then number two was the pursuit of Jesus Christ is a life that's called to sacrifice. 
So today we're talking about worship, but more specifically, we're talking about a more visual side to worship. God's desire for outward displays of worship, expressions, expressions of worship. Psalm 95, we're going to read a couple verses here. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let's make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let's come before his presence with thanksgiving. Make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his and he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. And today, if ye will hear his voice. That is such a cool passage of scripture. That, that is full of expressions of worship, physical displays, outward displays of true worship. Webster, he tells us a couple of different ideas about the, this thought of expression. He says, it's the act of making your thoughts and your feelings known by speech, writing, or some other method. It's the act of expressing something. Another way that Webster defines expression is the way one's face looks that shows emotions and feelings. The idea here is that expressions are this outward display of what's in your mind and what's inside of your heart. It's revealing your emotions visually, revealing your feelings visually. Now, can we do that for a few moments here today? What are your thoughts? What are your feelings about God? <laughs> How do you think about him? Why don't you express some worship? Why don't you lift up a hand, if you will? Why don't you lift up your voices? Share those thoughts and those feelings about him. God, I'm here today to express my worship to you. Now, when we look at Psalm 95... The passage we read a little bit ago, we see that giant expression of worship. And what we learn here is we, you and I, we are being called to expressive worship. Called to showing our emotions. Verse 1, come, sing. Make a joyful noise. Verse 2, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise. Verse 6, come worship and bow down and kneel before the Lord. What's he saying? He's saying, come and show your emotion. Come and show an expression. The psalmist is calling us to display the way that we feel towards God. Sing, make noise, bow, kneel, whatever you got to do, find a way to do it. Just show your expressions. Verse one, come and sing and make a joyful noise. And then watch what happens next. He, the writer gives us something really cool. In between all of these expressions, the writer does something incredible. He gives you a reason to perform each of these actions. Come and sing and make a joyful noise. Why? Because God is the rock of my salvation. Verse 2, come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise. Why? Because God is great and a great king above all God. 
Verse 6, come worship, bow down and kneel before God. Why? Because he's the maker. He's God and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. In other words, we're not expressive just to be expressive. But there's reason behind why I'm expressing my worship. See, it's not to make everybody else think that I'm doing good spiritually. It's not because that's what we do in every service. But every time I lift up my hands and every time I show an expression of worship, it's all based off a response of the way that I feel towards God in this very moment. What the psalmist is doing is showing us that expressions of worship are driven by reason. I don't do it because somebody makes me do it. I I do it because he's been good to me. I don't do it because the worship leader suggested it. I'm doing it because I know where God brought me from. What he brought me out of. When you see tears streaming down my face. When you see my hands raised. When you see passion bursting out from the inside of me. Understand, I'm not doing it based out of a routine. I'm not doing it because I've done it every Sunday for years. No, I'm doing it because of what I'm feeling towards God in this moment. It's my expression of worship. It's what he's called me to do. It's what he's calling you to do. Find a way to say what you got to say. Find a way to let your worship be seen, to be known. Lift up your hands. Lift up your voices. Somebody let an expression of worship pour out from your heart. Hallelujah. You may be seated. We're called to show expressive worship. But there needs to be reason behind the expression you're giving. I can lift up my hands and it mean nothing. Try it. Kind of wave your... means absolutely nothing. Alternatively, I can lift my hands and I can say, King of kings, Lord of lords, I surrender all. And all of a sudden... Now what meant nothing means something. An expression that by itself was nothing now leads me up the hill of the Lord. I'm now entering into his presence. Why? Because a simple act of lifting my hands doesn't mean a thing. But when I'm displaying a heart or a thought of thanksgiving to God, oh, then my lifting of hands, it means something beautiful. It's an expression of worship. Warren Wiersbe said, worship is the believer's response of all that they are, mind, emotions, will, and body, to what God is, says, and does. True worship is the heart's pursuit after God. And so today we go further And we learn that an expression of worship is this display of that pursuit from the heart. Psalm 62 and 8. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your hearts before him. God is a refuge for us. The psalmist says, take that inward pursuit in your heart and pour it out. Let it come out of you. 
Pour out your heart, he said. Take those things you love about God. Take those thoughts you think toward God. Those inward feelings you have of him. And pour them out in beautiful expressions of worship. Understand with me this phrase, pour out. It means to spill intensively. However you choose to express your worship, do it with an intense heart. Whatever expression you give, let it spill out of you. Let it flood out of your worship. Maybe one of the greatest examples of that is in Mark chapter 14, verse 3 through 9. Being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper. As he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment and spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. There was some that had indignation within themselves. They said, what, what is the waste of this ointment made? And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. The NIV here says, she's done something beautiful to me. Verse 8, she hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. The NIV said, she poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. The Bible said some had indignation when she poured it out. Do you know who those people were? That was the disciples. That was the church. Not everybody's going to like the way you worship. Not, not everybody sitting next to you, on the side of you, in front of you, behind you. Not everybody's going to like the way that you do it. But what she said is, I don't care what you think about the way that I worship. This is my expression, and I'm going to spill it out. I'm going to pour it out. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what you think about me. This is my expression. What's your expression today? What's your expression this morning? Oh, I wonder, what are your thoughts and feelings about God? How do you feel about him today? Hallelujah. You may be seated. There are two things for us to understand in this passage. Her expression of worship was driven by a reason. And Jesus found that reason to be beautiful. Verse 8, Jesus said this entire moment from her, this entire uh, uh, experience from her was done in preparation for my burial. That's the reason. That was her why. That's what made this act mean something so much to him. That's what turned something odd, peculiar, weird, awkward, Something that that normally wouldn't happen. That's what turned that in this moment to something meaningful and valuable. To the disciples, it was strange and weird and odd, a waste of money, and they couldn't figure it out. But Jesus understood the reason behind what she was doing. And and that this moment, her, her outward display of the pursuit was in her heart. That's why in verse 6 he said, She did something beautiful to me. You don't see it. You don't understand it. You just saw the physical act. The people next to you that don't like your worship, they don't understand it. They see you doing it. Why are they doing it? 
It looks weird, but what they don't see is the outpouring of what's inside of you. What they don't see is that God is calling that beautiful. Mm. Number two, her expression of worship was of intense intention. The Bible says she poured it on him. It wasn't enough to just dab him with it or touch him with it. It was with intense intention that she took this expensive bottle of perfume, what would cost an entire year's salary, and she poured it out on him. It was meaningful and it was valuable. What does it take for God to call our worship beautiful? Our heart, our pursuit of God poured out in expressive worship. That's what he finds as beautiful. While we don't have literal alabaster box, we, don't, we, we do, in a sense, bring spiritual alabaster boxes. There are different ways that we pour out our worship, different ways that we pour out expressions of worship. Most common are with our voice, with our hands, with our knees, with our feet. Looking at our voice, what do we do? We sing and we shout and... We use our voice to give praise and we lift up words of worship. Matthew 12 and 34 shares the truth that for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. That's what we're talking about today. Our voice, ways we express our worship. Psalm 95 and 1 tells us we do it by singing. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Psalm 104, 33, I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Psalm 96, oh, sing unto the Lord a new song and sing unto the Lord all the earth and sing unto the Lord and bless his name. 1 Corinthians 14 and 15, I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the understanding also. It's a cool thought, sing with understanding. This idea, sing with understanding in the Greek, is to reference your mind, your thought, and your feeling. So you take this expression and you tie it to Psalm 62 and 8 that we read a little bit ago. And when you sing, you pour out. That's the purpose of it. You're not up here singing words. You're not up here reciting lyrics. When you sing, you're pouring out worship. When you sing, you're giving your expression of the heart, the mind, the thought, the feeling you have about him. I'm just singing lyrics to the latest worship songs, but when I sing, those words start to resonate in my heart and in my mind, and I begin thinking of God and the way that the song is describing him, and then what happens next is naturally I begin to pour it out, worship according to those thoughts and those feelings, because out of the abundance of the heart, my mouth speaks. Woo! Lift up your hands and your voices. Shouting, Psalm 47 and 1, shout unto God with the voice of triumph. We use our hands. 
We use our hands in expressions of worship. We lift them high. We lift them up to the Lord. We clap unto the Lord. We use our hands uh, for the musicians to play and worship on your instruments. Can we consider our hands? Psalms 141 and 2. Let my prayer be set before thee as an incense and the lifting up of my hands as an evening sacrifice. The word sacrifice here in the Hebrew is minka, and it means to bestow a gift, specifically in sacrificial offering. Hey, I lift up my hands. When I do that, I'm offering something. I'm offering a gift. I'm offering a sacrifice. So God, when I lift them up, please accept it. Please accept my sacrifice. Please accept this gift. What do I have to bring? Nothing more than myself. Nothing more than who I am. Why don't you lift up your hands? Why don't you do it all across this room and say, God, here I am. Here's a gift for you. Here's a sacrifice for you. Oh, God. An affirmation of this idea is found in 1 Kings 8 and 22. And Solomon stood before the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel. And he spread forth his hands toward heaven. When Solomon stood before the altar, he brought to God an offering of sacrifice. Lift up holy hands. Using your hands is beautifully depicted by musicians in Psalms 150. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise him on the loud cymbals. Praise him on the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Somebody use your hands and praise the Lord. Today, hallelujah. God, if I gotta clap, if I gotta lift them up, if I gotta get to a piano, an organ, a bass, drums, I don't care. This is worship. This is my worship. Hallelujah. I'm offering expressions today. We use our voice, we use our hands, we use our knees. You may be seated. One of the most intimate expressions of worship are when we use our knees to bow down. The meaning of bow down is to show reverence for, to provide acknowledgement of. When we bow in the presence of God, we're acknowledging who God really is. Psalms 45 and 11. Then the king will desire your beauty because he is your Lord. And so bow down to him. He finds your expressions of worship beautiful. So bow down and express your worship before him for who he is. Lord, here in this verse is the Hebrew word Adon, meaning sovereign, master. When I bow down, God, it's in revelation of who you are. You are my sovereign master. Psalm 72 and 11 Let all the kings bow down before him. All nations serve him. This verse is speaking of God's rule and his authority in Philippians 2, 10 and 11. So that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And those who are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
the word Lord here is the word kurios, which means supreme and authority and master. All the kings bow down. All the nations serve him. In the New Testament, at the name of Jesus, every knee bows down and every tongue confesses to his curios or his supreme authority and his mastership. In other words, this expression of bowing down in the presence of God is nothing more than the acknowledgement of who God is. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and that God of the Old Testament is still the God of the New Testament. The God of the New Testament is the God of today. When I bow down, God, it's recognizing who you are, Abba Father, Jehovah Jireh, Emmanuel, Jesus. Bow down, Psalm 45 and 11, Psalm 72 and 11, Philippians 2 and 10, Mark 5 and 6, Psalms 5 and 7, Psalms 138, Matthew 10 and 11. All say, bow down. Our voice, our hands, our knees, our feet. We express our worship through our feet. We dance. We leap. Dancing serves as the expression of joy and excitement in acts of victory and triumph. Second Samuel, we learn the account of David and how he danced every six steps when bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel. The Ark of the Covenant it represented the presence of God. Second Samuel 6 and 14, and David danced before the Lord with all of his might. And David was girded with the linen ephod. The Bible said with all of his might. The word might in the Hebrew here is Oz, which means with force and boldness, with power and strength. Here's that idea again of I'm pouring it all out before you, God. This expression, nothing reserved, nothing calm, nothing quiet. Like the disciples in Mark 14, David's wife, Michael, was disgusted by the display of worship. Why? Because she didn't understand it. She didn't see what was really happening. She said to the king, David, how glorious were you today? Implying that he looked ridiculous and this was embarrassing. But, but she didn't understand. She didn't know what was actually happening here. He wasn't just dancing to dance. No, this wasn't to win the approval of the people. No, this was an outpouring of worship. This was the type of worship that God finds beautiful when nobody else does. When everyone else is looking at it like, what are you doing? God's like, I love what you're doing. They're like, stop dancing like that. God's like, keep dancing like that. They're like, sit down, stop jumping, stop leaping. God's like, leap higher, leap higher, because I find it so beautiful. So beautiful. I wonder for a few moments if somebody would stand to their feet and start leaping. Why? Timothy, that's weird. No, it's beautiful. No, it's beautiful. Oh, that's it. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Can you go for 15 seconds? Can you go for 10 seconds? Hallelujah. Yes. That's what I use my feet for. You may be seated. Luke 6 and 23, rejoice ye in that day and leave for joy. 
For behold, your reward is great in heaven. To leap here is to imply, not a, it implies a forceful jump, a vigorous jump. What's happening? Well, my heart is being poured out in expressive worship. These are the outward displays of the pursuit that is hidden within us. We are called, you're called, I'm called to expressive worship. This is by no means an exhaustive or complete list of what physically shows our expressions of worship. But these are just common ways that we display our affection, display our response to God. What expressive worship does is it draws us into the presence of God. That's where we want to be. At least it should be. Maybe I don't want to be there, and so I don't respond. Then why are we here? That's where I want to be. That's my desire. That's ultimately where my heart is longing to go, longing to dwell. Psalm 27 and 4, one thing. This verse gets me every time. One thing that I desire of the Lord, that will I seek after. I'm sick in my body. I'm not seeking for that, though. I was talking with my district manager uh, the other day. and He told me he was in a church service, and the, the Lord's dealing with him. Pray for him. His name is Jake. Pray for him. He said he was in a church service and the preacher started preaching approval versus anointing. Is that right? Approval versus anointing. I think it's approval versus purpose. Approval versus purpose. And he said the preacher was talking about how we come when we have needs and we pray. That's when we're intense. That's when we most call for him and we're crying. And it's when we need something. And then when we get it, when God provides, when God answers, then, then our prayers aren't so vivid, fervent. You know what he said to me? He said, you know what I found myself doing? Praying when I was in need so I could get control again. And then when I was in control again, I didn't need God anymore. Woo! I was just praying like that so I could control my life again. And then once I was in control, God, I didn't need anymore. Can I ask you tonight, this morning, why are you worshiping? Why are you praying? Why do you lift up your hands? Is it because you want to gain control again? Or is it just because there's an expression deep down on the inside of you that says, God, I want your purpose. God, this is my pursuit for you. This is my desire for you. Lift up your hands and your voices. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One thing have I desired of the Lord. That will I seek after. Not possessions. Not healings. Not miracles. Those things come. But God, I got to get into your presence first. This pursuit in me has got to come out. There's one purpose, God. You may be seated that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. I just want to be where you are. Notice he says, I will seek after 
What's he referring to? The pursuit. Then he says, why? Why am I pursuing you? Not for the things, but he says, so I can dwell in the presence of the Lord. This idea is reaffirmed in Song of Solomon 1 and 4. Draw me, and we will run after thee. The king hath brought me into his chambers. Draw me, God, and I'm going to come running. Call my name, God, and I'm going to come running because you're bringing me into your chambers. I don't know if you know what it's like to be in the chambers of God, in the chambers of the king, but there's nothing like it. There's nothing more beautiful than his presence sweeping around you. You call me God, and I'm going to come running. I'm going to run to you. Draw me, and I'll pursue thee with the intent, with the purpose of the king bringing me into his chambers. Our pursuit for God is displayed in the outpouring of expressive worship, which in turn leads us into the deep presence of God Almighty. I'm almost done. Can you go with me for a few more minutes? Jeremiah 33 and 3, call to me, I'll answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. And that's what I'm after. That's what we're longing for. The deep place in God's presence where we uncover his mysteries and we, he shows us things we've never known about him and discover new things we have yet to search for or know to search for. That's what our spirit is longing for. Psalm 42 and 7, deep calleth unto deep. A lot of people question what this phrase means, but when you look at it from the context of the illustration it's written in, I feel like it's pretty clear what it's referring to. Is it speaks with a certain tone to me. Here's what comes before it. As the heart panteth after the water brooks. So panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my day, me day and night. When will they continually say unto me, where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. Verse 7, and deep calleth to deep. And when I think about that, I think about what we read in Jeremiah 33 and 3. Call to me and I'll answer you. From the depths of my spirit to the depths of his presence. Then I can show you the things that you never knew or the things you never thought to search for. That's what drives expressions of worship. God, take me to the unknown places where we're lost in your presence without a map, without a compass. Surrounded by the mysteries and glories of God. Stand with me. Can you lift up your hands and your voices all over this room? Somebody let expressions of worship come out. Well, that's it. Somebody lift up your voice. Hallelujah. What do you think about him today? What do you think about God today? Don't worry about the person next to you. Don't listen to the volume of the room. Just let it go. Just let it out. Let expressions rise up from your heart right now. Hallelujah. 
Isaiah 26 and 3, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because we trusteth in thee. Expression of worship, it draws us into his presence. Here's the thing. It takes a focused mind. The biggest hindrance to us experiencing the furthest depths of God is when we are distracted. If you want to collide with heaven through worship, then when you come to the house of God and you share your expressions to the Lord, you come with a clear mind and you push out every distraction and you focus on God and this moment. There's something to be said about that phrase, keep your mind stayed on thee. As long as Peter's eyes were on Jesus, he could walk on the water and on the unknown. But when his eyes were off, he began to sink. If you want the deep things of God, if you come to church and you're wondering why you don't experience the same thing as somebody else when they worship, consider the state of your mind. How focused are you today? How engaged are you today? How engaged are you during worship? This directly affects the way that you connect to him. Are you plugged in or are you judging everything in the room? Are you plugged in or are you saying, oh, he messed up that word? Are you thinking about, oh, his hair's on the other side. It shouldn't be fixed that way. It looks weird. Or are you like, I don't care what he looks like, what he's saying, what he talks like. I don't care if his grammar's perfect. I'm coming today not to judge. I'm coming today to connect with God. Is that why you're here this morning? Why'd you come today? Are you here to express your worship? I'm going to ask you as she begins to sing. I'm going to ask you today to come. If you've got expressive worship, if you've got a feeling in your heart, a thought in your mind, if you've got something you need to do with your hands, your voice, your knees, your feet, I don't care. Find a way to express yourself today. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com.